Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In order for beacons to be a scalable solution, um, you have to manage them from the cloud. So the idea is to use Bluetooth not just in order to broadcast the payload, uh, of the iBeacon or the Edison format, but also to connect to neighbors and to relay information uh, that's being sent from the cloud to those individual beacons. The fact that beacons are connected um, to the cloud allows us to do things that are previously impossible with uh, standalone uh, beacons, such as two-way communication with the handset, which is very useful in a situation in which the handset is not connected to the internet. You're listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beco System with Steve Statler. Welcome to episode 16 of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beco System. My name is Steve Statler of Statler Consulting. We're doing this in partnership with Proxwick. And in fact, next week we have the CEO of, um, of the company that funds Proxbook. Um, is going to be on, but this week we've got Daniel Drayman, who is the CEO of Biconics. That's one of the companies that he's the CEO of, and the topic that we're going to be discussing is Bluetooth beacons and mesh networks. So, in my humble view, Bluetooth beacons are very cool. I think mesh makes them even cooler, even more Internet of Thingsy, uh, and so we'll be learning a bit about that. Uh, so, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about uh, what you're doing, and I think um, we should probably start off with a brief explanation of what Biconix does, and then I'd like to get a bit, a bit more background on um, uh, the other company that you're CEO of. But first of all, what does Biconix do? So Biconix offers tools to manage beacons remotely. Um, you know, there, there are multiple ways to look at the company as a technology company and the Bluetooth mesh. Um, implementation that we uh, developed, but at the core of it, um, the idea here is that in order for beacons to be a scalable solution, um, you have to manage them from the cloud um, and in an effective way, reduce the total cost of ownership for a practical uh, large-scale implementation, and that's what Biconics does. So the core of it is management of, of beacons using mesh technology, and, and do you make beacons? Yeah, so as of today, um, we sell a complete solution uh, where um, we offer both the hardware 
and the software and the services that uh, goes along uh, with such a solution. But we're also working with OEMs, and you will find our software uh, embedded into Deacon's uh, manufactured and sold by others. So there are two ways to work with us. You can get from us a complete solution, hardware included, um, and you can work with another Deacon manufacturer and just find our technology embedded into it and then use our cloud-based systems with somebody else's Deacon. Uh, when we sell our Deacons, there's no special sauce on the hardware side. So the hardware is the same commodity beacon that everybody else uh, is using, and all the intellectual property is really in the software that makes those beacons, instead of being standalone devices, cloud-connected beacons that can be controlled and interact with the cloud on a constant basis. And uh, just peel open this, this mesh concept. What does a, a mesh of beacons look like? So it would be impractical to have every beacon connected to the internet with its own Wi-Fi or uh, power of, or Ethernet uh, connection. Uh, so our approach to managing beacons remotely is to have a single element in every venue, which is connected using power or Ethernet physically to a router or to a switch, so to the back end of that particular uh, venue. And this element that we call the controller connects over Bluetooth to beacons that are in relatively close proximity, so let's say up to 20 meters from the controller. But then those beacons in turn can relay information that they receive from the controller to beacons that are further away from the controller and so on with multiple hops. You can cover a very large venue such as airport, a stadium, uh, a big box, retail, a mall, uh, and so forth. So the idea is to use Bluetooth not just in order to broadcast the payload uh, of the iBeacon or the Edison format, but also to connect to neighbors and to relay information uh, that's being sent from the cloud to those individual beacons. So we have beacons that are talking to each other as well as talking to the phones. And over that connection, they can do a number of things. They can presumably propagate updates to their configuration, to the... Uh, the firmware, anything else? Yes. So first and foremost, you can do firmware updates. Uh, with a press of a button, you can update your entire fleet of beacons with the latest firmware. Extremely important for security uh, reasons and for advances, you know, to match whatever Google and Apple um, are, you know, are going to keep innovating uh, in that field. Then you can individually control every beacon uh, in terms of the content, which is broadcast by the beacon whether it's an ID or URL, if we're talking about Edison uh, URL beacons, uh, the power level. So oftentimes in retail, uh, merchandising uh, you know, will change and uh, suddenly a beacon that was transmitting at a certain power level needs to be configured to transmit at a higher level or at a lower level. And typically uh, a retailer would send a technician to the store to go and update uh, the configuration for that beacon. We can do it remotely. Now, the fact that beacons are connected um, to the cloud allow us to do things that are previously impossible with uh, standalone uh, beacons, such as two-way communication with the handset, which is very useful in a situation in which the handset is not connected to the internet, either because you are at the basement of a department store and you don't have a good signal, or you're a roaming uh, tourist, you know, they just landed in, an, in a country in which you don't have a, a data uh, plan. Um, so, so we can use uh, beacons for that as well. And that is an, an entire concept of um, real-time location services, 
in which the beacons are not just being picked up by smartphones, but can actually listen to beacons in their vicinity and report back to the cloud what they're seeing. So an example for that would be um, location of patients and of uh, capital equipment in a hospital, where every patient has a small beacon, uh, commodity beacon, standard, uh, let's say, eye beacon uh, attached to their wrist, and every capital, uh, every piece of capital equipment will also have a beacon attached to it, and stationary beaconics beacons uh, as on the walls would simply locate. Uh, the movement of uh, those beacons and report it back so that at every moment in time you'll be able to know uh, where people uh, and uh, equipment uh, is located, which is again a, a new um, approach uh, to using beacons for, for remote uh, for real-time location services. Yeah, I think this is a fascinating application. Asset tracking, um, I don't know whether it's a secret or not, but this is really what's been driving the the bulk of the sale of beacons. I mean, you only need so many beacons to cover uh, a store, but you start attaching beacons to assets and you can get into the thousands very quickly. So for companies that are in the business of selling a lot of beacons, the companies that have sold a million beacons and, and there are companies out there, they've, they've done that through tracking assets. And so this is uh, interesting from that perspective. I think it's also fascinating in terms of showing ROI and some real business benefits and Sure, there's real benefits from a marketing perspective in the in the retail applications, and we'll we'll talk about that. But um, from a consulting perspective, actually, one of my clients is focused on this area. And uh, if you think about what you can uh, achieve in terms of finding things faster, if they're valuable things, uh, you can speed up workflows. There's a lot of business efficiencies. So rather than kind of speculating on product lift, which is is challenging. If you, if you can look at efficiencies and see how we can do things faster, lose them less often, then there's a clear ROI there. So I think it's great that you are focusing on that as a, as a use case. Very interesting. Let's, um, let's just take a step back and, and, and tell us how you ended up um, founding Biconics and uh, what was the genesis of this idea? So... That's a good question, and you know sometimes serendipity uh, plays a, a big role uh, in life. Um, I've been involved in um, marketing and retail for for my entire career, but for the last uh, six years, I've been running a company which I also co-founded called Mowingo, uh, which provides platforms that enable retailers to engage their customers. Uh, one of our largest customers is a leading. Uh, quick service restaurant um, that uses our platform to engage their customers over a mobile app. And when we started using um, mobile to engage customers, uh, we did a bunch of geofencing, um, you know, simply using GPS, uh, and that proved very effective, but it had its limitations. Uh, for example, in the fast food scenario, uh, you cannot know whether the customer is in the drive-thru or inside the, the, the restaurant at the counter. Uh, if the restaurant is not um, you know, in, in its own uh, building, but it's in a food court in a mall, you actually cannot know whether the customer is at the restaurant or shopping at the Gap. Um, and then Beacons came, and we saw an opportunity to have much more accuracy and to, to come with use cases that are even more uh, powerful uh, with you know, indoor uh, accuracy of, of location. Um, but we immediately found that those uh, customers of ours that piloted the beacons uh, didn't 
see the, the technology as something viable for large-scale deployments because of two issues. One is reach. Um, there's only so many people that have uh, downloaded the retailer's application. Uh, and the other one is the cost of management. So the reach is being resolved by the industry. So if you think about uh, Prox, uh, that enables you to reach customers not on your own app, but by, by having a proximity uh, advertising uh, network uh, in which you can leverage you know, popular um, media apps uh, and so forth. Um, and if you think about uh, what Google is doing in terms of nearby and the physical web, where you can use beacons for people that did not uh, previously download your application, I think that this, this early problem that beacons found, which is a problem of reach, is being solved by the industry. Uh, big time, right, by an order of magnitude. Uh, the other problem is the problem of the total cost of ownership. So if you have 500 stores and you install 20 beacons in every uh, store and now you need to do a firmware update and to send the technicians to those 500 locations and spend a few hours in each one of them to update the beacons or you just sporadically need uh, to go or, um, to update uh, a set of beacons, this becomes unmanageable. So, you know, I have all kind of spreadsheets that show that the initial cost of installing, uh, the, of purchasing the beacons and installing them pales in comparison to the cost, to the annual cost of, of managing them. Uh, so I, I didn't really see a solution for that until, again, serendipity, uh, my next door neighbor, um, who is a good friend of mine and a, a wonderful engineer, uh, very, very smart, developed a Bluetooth mesh solution for non-beacon application, for some industrial applications. And while, while riding our bikes together uh, and comparing notes about, you know, how was your week, how was my week, we came to the conclusion that the technology that he had and the problems I was facing you know, are really a match in heaven. And uh, that's how we decided to create a new company that we focus just on that solution, which is remote management uh, of beacons. Obviously, once we, we can rem uh, manage those beacons remotely, other opportunities arise uh, from the fact that those beacons are cloud-connected. So beyond just reducing the total cost of ownership, we can do other applications. But at the core of it, the genesis of the company was a match between a technology and a problem that seems to be... Pre I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, I think this is fascinating. I think it's a great sign that our industry is starting to mature, that we're going beyond just the very basic essence of proof of concept use cases. And you've 
you've done it, you've worked with some really large companies that are deploying beacons and uh, you've seen the problems and this new company is looking at solving them. Uh, Mesh totally makes sense. And actually, you know, I, I was referencing my client that's looking at asset management and they, uh, you know, one of their issues is it's a warehouse. They don't have Wi-Fi there. The connectivity is, is poor. It's a Faraday cage. And so this is, uh, this is a really interesting application for that. What are the challenges that you have to overcome when you're building a product that implements Mesh? It sounds like the perfect solution. I'm sure that there's some problems. There are a lot of problems. And, but, you know, as an entrepreneur, those problems are opportunities. Um, and so what we have is we filed a large number of patent applications on the way that we resolve those problems. Um, so some of the problems are resilience. So the, our mesh is self-configuring and self-healing. So when an element of the mesh um, you know, goes out of order, it doesn't bring the entire mesh down uh, with it. We, we, we can route uh, around it. Um, you need resilience for um, noisy environments. So you know, in your lab, when the only uh, Bluetooth elements are your own, uh, it's one thing. When you go to real implementations and there are lots of uh, other devices that you have no control over, you want to have protocols that will allow you to basically um, um, you know, survive in, in a hostile uh, environment. And then one of the, the, the biggest hurdles to, uh, to implementing a, a mesh of beacons is uh, battery life. So uh, when you use beacons that are powered, you know, with AC or USB, uh, that's not an issue. You have as much juice as uh, you want. But uh, in real life uh, scenarios, you don't have this luxury. Uh, you're bound to have a large number, a large percentage of your beacons uh, to be confined to, um, you know, a battery-powered uh, solution. And um, a naive implementation of the mesh uh, would made it, make it impossible. So because the mesh is much more demanding than simple beacons uh, that are just broadcasting the payload, uh, the battery life would be puny. So some of the innovations that we have are ways to um, utilize beacons that are powered by batteries in a mesh environment in a way which is efficient and um, prolongs uh, the battery life, the autonomy. Uh, of those beacons. And what sort of battery life are you seeing at the moment from uh, beacons that are participating in a mesh? So our goal is to have before the end of the year a solution for beacons that will survive on two AA batteries for over two years mm -hmm. uh, while participating in the mesh. Um, and one of the realizations that we had is that you know some people are competing on battery life um, but unlike uh, firmware updates and other things where we really want uh, a technician, just replacing the batteries in the beacon is something that can be delegated to uh, a shop uh, manager, you know, somebody who's not so, uh, very technical. This is no different than replacing batteries into uh, a fire detector that you have uh, at home. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, we think that uh, providing beacons that have a two-year autonomy is something that's commercially viable. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And what stage are you at in the in the development process? Where is the product uh, So we are now in trials um, with um, you know select um, customers. 
um, we are we're in trials with some very large retailers with OEMs that are testing our software to embed into their own uh, hardware and with application vendors, which are for us a channel because Beaconics is really not providing, you know, full-blown solution. We are an infrastructure layer. Uh, if you want to do indoor navigation, you're going to buy it from an indoor navigation vendor. If you want to do payment with Beacons, you're going to do it with a payment vendor. If you're going to do mobile engagement, you'll choose a company such as Moingo or one of myriad uh, companies uh, in the field. So Beaconics see all those companies as channels uh, for Beaconics. And we're in trial with those three uh, buckets. You know? So retailers, uh, OEMs, solution providers. Um, we are not yet uh, shipping a product uh, at scale. This is something which uh, we will start doing in the beginning of 2017. All right. And, and where's the company in stage in, in terms of people fundraising? That sort of thing? So we're based in Silicon Valley, and the core team is um, a team of uh, five, um, mostly engineers. I'm the only guy here who uh, uh, doesn't code all day long. Um, though I'm an engineer uh, by background, uh, but it's, it's been a while since uh, I've written a piece of code. Um, so we have five engineers here, and then we have a team in Ukraine, uh, which supports us uh, with a lot of development, people that we, we've been working with uh, for a long, long time. Um, so far, uh, we've been self-funded. Uh, we are now in, in um, the process of uh, raising a major uh, round uh, to really move from trial to production. Um, but, you know, that, that's where the company is. Very good. Exciting time. And, and where do you see this going? What are the, some of the things that you, you want to do in terms of developing the product? I guess you've you got to launch it. Any, anything else you want to talk about? So, you know, I, I think that one of the, 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 the hurdles that the industry is facing is around standardization. Um, and I think that even the management of the beacons is something that's going to be standardized. Um, so obviously we want to put forward um, you know, our technology as, as the basis for a forthcoming standard on how you manage uh, beacons from the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, exactly how we do that, whether it's under the tutelage of some type of you know, SIG, uh, we open source some of the elements. Uh, this is still to be uh, determined. Um, but I think it's very important for any company in that field uh, to play nice with the other ecosystem uh, vendors. This is something big. Uh, you know, I think we keep talking about retail because it's one of the obvious uh, applications uh, for beacons and, and beacons are by no means uh, limited to retail. But if you think about it, uh, you know, software is eating the retail world. Um, you see uh, Walmart closing stores and Macy's uh, closing stores and virtually all the department stores announcing that they have losses. Uh, and they don't have a, a level playing field, right? So if you're an e-commerce player, you know everything about your customers uh, and you are able to, to tailor offers uh, for those customers. While if you're a brick and mortar uh, retailer, you know nothing. You don't, you don't know who are the people that go uh, through your doors. Um, and you need tools both in terms of analytics and in terms of improving the shopping experience, which is another thing that retailers need to do in order to, to win or to lose less against the e-commerce players. Um, so it's a huge multi-trillion dollar market that is, is craving uh, such uh, solutions. I think the beacons are going to be a, a critical tool for brick-and-mortar uh, retailers 
uh, you know, when, when they try to, to, to stem uh, those losses. And no single company is going to provide all the solutions. It's an ecosystem play. Um, we believe we're going to be an important player uh, in that ecosystem, but we have no illusions that we, by ourselves, uh, can provide all the answers to all the questions. Last uh, question. You, you touched on standards uh, for management, and obviously Google started doing some work in there, filling in the gaps that were left by Apple, uh, so that's kind of interesting. And you've also talked about, um, uh, you made a reference to Eddie Stone URL. What, you know, how does what you're doing fit in with Eddie Stone URL and, and any particular implications of using Mesh and, uh, and URL beacons? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because um, there's a, spe a, cert a certain value in being cloud connected in a world in which you don't have an application to translate what the beacon is sending. So if you think about Ediston URL, um, one of the issues with it is that if the URL is fixed, you provide um, business intelligence to your competitors, right? Because they can sniff those URLs and know exactly where your customers are, are located. And also because you rely on the redirections on the back end and because Google is caching uh, this information, it's difficult for you to change the information on a dime. So one of the demos uh, that we did is a beacon on a platform that announces directly in your notification area in, on your Android that your train is arriving in five minutes, your train is arriving in three minutes, your train is arriving in one minute. That's something you cannot do when you don't control what the beacon is actually sending and you rely on some cached information delivered by uh, proxies. So our ability to drive the content which the beacon is transmitting in real time opens the door to applications centered around Ediston URL, which are simply not possible when you have um, a, a dumb beacon or a standalone commodity beacon. Another thing where we're taking the product is Bluetooth uh, web, or web Bluetooth, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to call it. Um, so today, the beacon just transmits a URL and you rely on the handset to go and fetch information from the internet. But what if there was a dialogue between uh, the handset and the beacon? Google calls that a fat beacon, but in their mind, it's a beacon that's been pre-programmed with scripts you know, in order to have this interaction with uh, the smartphone. Because in our case, the beacon is connected to the internet, those scripts don't need to be fixed. It's not that you need to program the beacon, ship them, and forever be confined to whatever you scripted them to do, but you basically can teach those beacons periodically new scripts and allow them to engage with uh, customers on a local ba basis using this uh, Bluetooth web um, in a more intelligent way. So I think it's very, very exciting uh, to move toward those standards, those um, uh, implementations of interactions between basic browsers uh, and beacons. And 2017 is simply going to be a fascinating year. Yeah, I, I think 16 is pretty fascinating and 17 is going to be even better. Uh, Daniel Draymond, Beconics, uh, really interesting company. Love what you're doing. I think uh, Mesh is going to be a key part of the landscape going forward. And uh, congratulations on uh, being one of the first to, to bring this to market. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me.
So are you a very musical person? I'm not a very musical person. Uh, I like music, um, but it's very um, diverse. So uh, I'm listening to the same uh, rap songs that my daughter is listening to uh -huh. um, and to classical music as well. So it's a little bit of everything. Fantastic. So if you had to choose three songs, which would be the, the three that you took to Mars and why? It's a difficult question. Uh, three is very limiting. So, but if I have to go with three, so one would be definitely a song from one of my favorite troubadours that I have to select between, you know, uh, Jacques Brel or uh, Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know exactly which song, you know, from either I would take. Then the second one would probably uh, be the Adagio, uh, which is attributed to Albinoni, but was actually composed by somebody else. Because right. I think it's a very suiting thing, and if you're, you're, you're going on a very long uh, voyage to uh, Mars, you, you have something, uh, you know, yep. you can come to. Uh, and the third one would probably be uh, Sultan of Swings by Dire Straits, because this is the most humbling uh, song, I believe. Uh, when, when you hear Mark Knopfler, um, you know, playing the guitar, I, I once realized that no matter what I will undertake, there's no field in which I will be as good as he is with the guitar. <laughs> so that's, that's when you know, I kind of got humbled by that. But that's a song that's follow, following me. Yeah. Well, I think you're the first of our guests to choose um, classical, and it's a very eclectic mix. I, I, I like it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.